With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Does your insurance agent treat you like family? Insurance Corporation is programmed to build interpersonal relationships with members of family units. We communicate on a four-name basis with all customer numbers. Only a human who knows you can create a plan that's right for you. That's why for more than 80 years, Farm Bureau Financial Services has built relationships first and plans second. It's your future. Let's protect it. Talk to a Farm Bureau agent today or visit fbfs.com protect. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Come on, shut up! This is episode 17, season 9 podcast. Today I'm joined by Felonius Phil. Hello, hello. We've got Martin Cloak. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, Chair of Trust, or co-chair. Co-chair, please. And author of One Step from Glory. Yes, with we, Alex Finn. With Alex Finn, of course. And uh, Spurs fan. He's a Spurs fan. And, well, no, and, and Spurs fan, so, so oh, I've got, I've got three different hats on. Hats on. <laughs> I haven't got a hat on at all, but... Um, because we're inside, but yeah. obviously when the when the book came out, there was a reaction to it. Uh, we're going to talk about that and the book itself, and, and what your kind of uh, motives were when you were writing it. The, the, the true essence of what it is, what it's about. Because I think a lot of the criticism that's come from it are from people that haven't read the book at all. Like almost guaranteed that that's the case. Absolutely. Um, but before that, we should review what. Yeah, it's like never ending, isn't it? It's like it's never going to end. It's fun. It's fun at the moment, isn't it? I mean, it's that, it's that meme that I've, that you've seen doing around where Watford are like the the, the caring arms, then they suplex you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's fine. What perfect game to rebound yeah. Watford at home. Surely well, our record at home against Watford's incredible. Yeah. Surely this won't be a problem. They didn't have any injuries apart from the long term ones. Yeah. They're the fourteen to choose from. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, Lo and behold, we struggled again. The first, I think, I think the the biggest thing was the um, the first half performance. Given our starting team was three at the back, with uh, Oriere and Rose playing as wing backs, it was clear that it weren't working. And again, this is kind of Pochettino's decision. He's made that decision, and it hasn't gone right. It was a very frustrating first half. Anyway, it was just it was pretty terrible. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I always try and do this thing of like call it before the game and I thought okay the fullbacks haven't been very good recently so okay I can see three at the back sounds mm-hmm. like a good idea so I thought okay I'm going to back that one and I think it was you know their manager said it wasn't it is that you change the system and the players have got to know how to do it and it just didn't look like we knew what to do with, with, with playing that system really yeah so but I mean it was it was a pretty pretty poor first half really one of the worst first halves of football we've played for a long time and you just think what's well, you know, these are these are these players that have got us so much in the last few years, and I know you know we'll come on to bits of that, but they don't become that bad that quickly. What's going on? The thing is, is that you know the two fullbacks, neither of them played against Brighton. Um, Rose was um, wasn't in the squad, yeah. and Oreo was injured. So I thought, well, we're not going to see much of them. But someone did point out that the Red Star game is two, three days after, so maybe that's why 
Maybe that's his thinking. Maybe Davies and I don't know Foythor will compete as play tomorrow night. I don't know. Mm. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, but the, every game's massively important right now. No, exactly. They just thinks you must, after you escape the thinking world. It's not going to pick him again, or at least not for a while. Then lo and behold, they're, they're back in the team. The thing is, our squad isn't gigantic, especially at the back. No. So he's got to play these guys. Uh, I like the idea of going back to that, that three with Davinson, Alvaro and Vertonghen because it served us so well when Davinson first signed. So I didn't have any issue with it. I thought mm. at least it ain't the diamond again. Part, I think part of the problem we've got though is that, that we, we are, I think one of the criticisms is that has a team been renewed enough and we'll talk about that in a minute but you know, Alderweireld and, and Vertonghen aren't as good as they used to be, let's be honest about it, and they're a bit older than they used to be as well. One of the replacements was supposed to be Sanchez. Mm. I'm not quite sure that he's, he's really at the stage that they thought he would be. The other one was fourth, and I know he's been injured, but again, as a centre-back, I'm not quite sure if he's cutting it. So some of the kind of ideas of, of renewing and getting people to come in have happened, but the players that they brought in have not been quite good there. And I mean, people might think I'm being harsh on Sanchez, but I just think... I think if you, if you get a player coming off his shoulder, it, it gets turned too easily. I think I don't think the criticism of Sanchez is you're not on your own there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been talking about it for a while. I don't see the player that cost forty two million. I'm hoping that and he got he got taken. I mean, he had a terrible game in that first half, he, and he was the one who got taken off out of the three centre backs that, yeah. that started the game. It was the guy who's supposed to be the future <laughs> that, was, that was taken off because he looked completely out of his depth. Well, that's the thing. I mean, oh yeah, was brought to replace Carl Walker and. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's absolutely not done that either so it's it's difficult say you want to regenerate the team but you can't legislate for people that's not being great I mean Lucas Moore I mean he's he's been alright I think the, the Ajax hat-trick will make him you know a cult cult hero for our fans but I'm always a bit uneasy about him starting games because yeah, he's, he's not really just, in that highly I mean I, like, I rate the guy I rate the guy a lot I just think it's a very strong position for Tottenham Mm. Um, is he better than Son? No, no. And that's essentially who he's battling for a place with. Yeah, and he I, was anonymous on Saturday as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and it was I, I, the whole thing was the midfield in the first half, especially. De Corre had a, an incredible game, and he is very, very good. And I hope that we can pillage him. We were linked to him. Yeah, for a while, but I, I can see bits of um, bits of a Palacios there. They have a really good first season, and then just. Disappears in the sunset. We've got to keep it going. What else? We've got to snatch these players because we ain't buying a player like an elite European player at, in um, in January. So you yeah. potentially could turn Watford's does it, does it frustrate you a bit that Watford have them though? I mean, obviously, it's all hindsight. But you know, I remember we used to do these, do these little punts on the continent. And so, so we were linked with him before Watford signed him. Is that right? I'm not sure if we were. Right. But it's like Watford to just find his players. It's about scouting, isn't it? Yeah. But then you could say the same thing about Deli Ali, like yeah, Dyer and Dyer, yeah, and all these players that we did scout and have worked out. Um, we've spoken about this before. Um, Felonius has, John Bass has, Ricky has, and none of us can quite work out what's going wrong. We have ideas about not refreshing the squad, but it shouldn't see such a fall off that we have seen. Have you got any idea? Are you as perplexed as a lot the rest of us? Yeah, I mean, if I knew what was going wrong, I'd be writing and asking to do the job. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it sounds like a trite thing to say, but I, I, I just genuinely don't know. I mean, I've never really seen, never really seen anything like it. I think part of the problem is, is that everybody, agendas may be a bit too strong of work, but people will kind of like, let things fit in with what they generally think. So if you say like, okay, like, well, you know, Mora didn't have a good game on Saturday, so well, he's played him in the wrong system. Mm. So the manager's got the tactics wrong, he's got the setup wrong. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a, nobody's without any criticism, not the manager, you know, who I still think, you know, stick with him and, 
you know, everything that he's done for the club as well. And it's not just about the past, it's about the present and the future. But I think you kind of got to back him at the moment. But he's making some odd decisions and coming up with some odd things. The players aren't, aren't doing the business on the pitch either. Uh, and there's, there's a worry there, but I, I just don't know what it is. We, uh, we have a Patreon podcast that we do after every game. It's called Five Statements, and we go through five things that need to be discussed mm. after every game. So it's pretty, pretty raw because it's just after the game's happened. Uh, and one, we had Cal on from the Blow Develop podcast, and he was saying that these are players that during the summer, you know, the most important ones that we wanted to move on, had been told that they probably need to move on for the club if they want yeah. to, to progress. And we couldn't get get rid of them. We couldn't get them out the door. And now they're back in the squad and need to be motivated when they've already been told they're... But, but the thing is, if you're a professional athlete, okay, they want to move on, right? So who's going to want to employ them? Uh, you know, you're, you're, which manager in Europe is looking at those five players that are on the last year of the contract going, oh, great, you know, we'll get them. Not many. Sorry. You know, you know, and I mean, like, I'm, I'm a massive, massive Ericsson fan, but he hasn't done himself any favours. And like, are Real Madrid really going to be falling over themselves to sign Christian Ericsson? All I would say is that, that he's been put in On a lately. free, it's worth a punt for Real Madrid. On a free. Yeah. But he's going to be at end up costing 230, 240 grand a week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You do think there's a professional pride, but I just feel. Obviously, we'll never know until yeah. the documentary comes out, which we'll talk about a bit later. <laughs> but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It might, I think it must be something in the training ground where the motivation just isn't there because we could talk about formations and picking this player and that player, and I don't know, Winks and Sissoko isn't working, putting Dombele in there. But it feels like it's more than that. It feels like it's just, um, they just don't, like, almost don't care. We've got a question from Bolt Nasty. He says, Granted, it's nothing compared to the early 2000s, but it's pretty much as bad as it can get right now. Searching for positives after coming back to draw one all against the worst team in the league is about as awful as it gets for a team of our size. Am I right? Yeah, I think so because I think we you know we all part, you know look back at those days and say you know we, we compare various things, but I mean things were pretty bad um, you know sort of quite a while back. But then we said well you know we haven't really got the players, and I think part of the problem now is is that that's a good set of players. Mm. That, and that, that's the thing that's even more worrying is just yeah. that if you kind of got a mediocre squad and they're not really doing the job you just think well there's a fairly obvious solution you make the squad a little bit better and I'm not saying that we've got you know the best squad of any club in the world because obviously we haven't but that is a good set of players and it, it goes back again to that thing I, I don't understand it that you know where where is the professional pride why, why they're not doing themselves any favours at all and managers out there are going to question their character you know this, and that, that's that's again what we need. Is it's you know there's no science or great coaching genius to it as well. But this is what we've got. Nothing's going to change really. Possibly you know what maybe something will happen with the manager, but with the playing side, nothing's going to change until January. So these are the players that have got to do the business and get us out of trouble. And you know obviously a lot of these players are internationals. Um, been a mixed bag with form. Um, Kane did well against. Was again Bulgaria, yeah, and had a really good game there. But Rose is apparently, I didn't see the Czech Republic game, he was apparently dreadful. Mm. Don't know, I don't know how he starts for England, but that's another thing altogether. But it's like, well, if they're not performing at international level, then maybe it's us, and if they are performing at that level, then well, I thought Winks and Kane looked much more comfortable playing for England currently, yeah, yeah, than they did uh, for Spurs. Um, Alavera came out and said that you can tell that the players are behind the manager and behind the club by their effort in the second half. And what I would say is, while we, it was nowhere near good enough against a team like Watford, given how bad they've been this year, there was effort and guile yeah. in that second half. We did play and we did go to win. And it was a change in the tactics that kind of prompted it. It was a better performance. Sonny coming on made a difference. And again, 
you know, I think probably one of the few players that, that, that escapes without any criticism, you know, yeah. potentially is so because you, you do, you know, it's a cliche, but he does always look like he's on and he's he's really trying. And he, he's, he's Did you see the video at half time? Uh, um, when, when, when the Watford goal went in, and that's yeah. the exact reaction we want mm. from the mm. side. Yeah. You don't want mm. kind of apathy. Mm. Well, no, I mean, he was dropped as well, so it probably double whammy for him as well. Yeah. Um, VAR reared its head again. Yeah, I've made my feelings clear. I think it's just the execu- I think it's the execution of it. I don't think VAR in and of itself is a bad thing. Yeah. But the execution is just no one knows what's going on. It used to be clear and obvious errors, but now obviously every goal has to be called back before VAR. Yeah, terrible. Regardless, so do you, do you know anybody who wants it or likes it? Because I thought Windy did, and mentioned this in the WhatsApp group, and he said I, I'm I'm not actually for it. Not but in the its problem, current inception. The problem is it's not about anyone liking or not liking VAR. I don't think Vardy likes it in his current state because it's been executed so badly. Yeah. Um, Son was offside by a millimetre. I mean, he was, I mean, that time I said he was offside, it's the rules. Yeah. But surely and that, there's got to be a, a level where you get the benefit of, the, of doubt to the attack. I mean, Sadio Mane's goal was chalked off, it did hit his hand, but... It wasn't an intentional handball, yeah. though. It just kind of was there, wasn't Exactly, it? so it's like, well, what's the point of the ref? I mean... The ref's almost obsolete when a goal goes in. Maybe the ref's thinking, well, if I've missed something, then yeah. VAR will catch it. Because he, he? he might have seen the handball and think, well, why am I gonna... what's, the point of me, what's the point of me flagging? So then, VAR will get it. Yeah, and I think you said on the five statements, Wendy's like, well, they don't want to overrule the referee. Yeah. Because the referee's there to do his job. That's their purpose. So to... I don't have an issue with VAR. I just think the execution and the communication needs to be worked on. The biggest thing more. was the uh, Vertonghen penalty, which... Any day of the week was 100% a pen. And obviously we're grateful for the fact that it didn't happen, but it was. there's no argument the fact that that wasn't a penalty. So the ref didn't give it, because you can argue that yeah. he wouldn't have seen any touch, or, or a lack of touch from Batonga, and so he probably was right to say no. But then when it goes to VAR, where we're watching it, every, every prick under the sun is watching that guy, and it's a pen, VAR. VAR go no because they're scared to overrule the ref if that is true well I mean look at the no look at Kane and Lascelles against Newcastle yeah you know it's the same similar principle yeah and the rugby tackled him and didn't give it but it was also it was a shambles at the end against Watford wasn't it because the, the commu- even the communication wasn't there and I mm. think that's one thing that people say this is that whether you agree with the principle of it coming in or not you've actually got to tell the fans who are in the ground watching the game what's going on and we were just sitting there people were literally just turning around to each other with their arms going oh, what's going on but it came up on the screen as a no yeah. goal yeah yeah and then they changed it and then changed it so, so really? well, they can't show a replay for yeah. this reason so we had a, so. essentially had a double VAR we had yeah. VAR for the VAR decision God, yeah. which is <laughs> crazy the Deli Ali goal reminded me a bit of um, do you remember Van der Vaal all those years ago against Arsenal where he trapped it with his arm mm. Like he, yeah. yeah, obviously yeah. you can't see this listen to the podcast. Like he had his arm up yeah. like that, and it kind of hit him. That would have probably been ruled off. Yeah, exactly. I, when I saw that and it came back, I was like, "That's definitely going to get overruled." I did. I can't. It was so borderline. It could have been his shoulder, but it was almost also the top of his arm. Well, that's where we are now. It's like, well, because if that happened two years ago, I think, "Oh, it's a goal. Fuck off." Yeah. But now you're a bit like, mm, I'm not sure. Because it's still like Sissoko with it. The Mr. Soka handball in the Champions League final, yeah. similar sort of area. Well, I, was watching, I didn't move off my seat when, when that went in. I was convinced that it was a handball. And that's what they've done, essentially. They've, they've kind of added so much doubt to every goal that's scored. Yeah. Unless you score a screamer from 30 yards, it's always going to be checked. The, thing that, the, the, the reason I think that people in the end said, let's introduce it, they said that you know, we need to, to cut down the amount of controversy and have a bit more certainty about decisions in the game. That's added it. And it's just... You know, the uncertainty is still there. So, But what it's also doing is undermining the ref's authority. 
there's the twelve games so far gone this season. If you could had a title to, to describe the season so far, what would it be? That's for Martin, isn't it? That's his book. I think we to write a book. Isn't that a question? Sorry, I've missed loads there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, no, give us that twelve games this season. What? How would you title it? Have we started yet? <laughs> Not <laughs> an RB day. Have we started yet? <laughs> Mine's like, uh, is it in? You know, like when That's you pretty much it, yeah, yeah. Like you know, when you're like you're on a, a night out and you meet a lady, yeah. and uh, you're getting down to it, and you, yeah, she's not sure whether it's in or not. That's kind of where I am. Yeah. <laughs> What's happened so far? Is it in yet? It's just a flaccid. Yeah, it's a flaccid experience. I'm trying to try to thumb it in, and it's just not working. <laughs> you're so excited. I'm still thumbing it in. <laughs> That's what it feels so like. Our attack, our attack does feel like they're just kind of thumbing yeah. in a flaccid. That's the strongest part of our yeah. fucking team as well. I mean, let's face it, we've got, you know, Kane, Son, Deli Ali, Eriksson, this season's um, version of Lamella. Yeah. You know, we've got good attackers in our team and we're struggling to even hit the target. Lamella did well when he came on, I thought, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm not his biggest fan. I kind of I like what he does. He's better players this season. He really has, and that kind of sums up what we're doing, really. I mean, there's been so many... I mean, you've probably seen on social media so many comparisons between Kane and Aubameyang, Kane and Aguero. But the amount of cutbacks... Aguero scores from. Could you imagine if Kane was in that team with those cutbacks? Mm-hmm. Clean up, you know. Absolutely clean up. Did you see Roy King's uh, his uh, post-match commentary for the Arsenal Man United game? Um, I mean Liverpool Man United. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, Gary Neville was saying like they, they let Lukaku go because Solskjaer didn't want him, um, and they were like digging him out, saying he can't let, let the striker like Lukaku go because they've got nothing else to replace him. And then King just goes, just fucking going by Kane. And no one just looked at him as if to say, what the fuck? Yeah, go, just go and get him. You can go and get him. That's what Man United used to do. Just go and get him. And they're like, well, Gary Neville said something weird. Like, Spurs fans won't be happy with you. Like, yeah, he's going to convince Roy Keane. Yeah, he yeah, he's, like, he's going to be bothered. Yeah. yeah, he's like, just fucking go and get him. And there were days past that that would have, that would have happened. Well, mm. it's like Liverpool of the 90s. I mean, Liverpool, in his recent history, Liverpool were a great team in the 90s. Mm. And the ex-players are beyond sky saying, well, you know, we're a massive team. Anyone would love to come to us. And that's the level man you are at now. But, I mean, I'm not a fan of, of Roy Keane, but um, it's at a point now where if someone gets your engagement on social media, then they'll be a good fit for as a pundit. Yeah. Because Roy Keane's got so many quotables. None of them are great. But it's all these quotables and soon this as well. And you've got Mourinho who's just like... An absolute mastermind. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got all this insight, and he's just he's just brilliant. You know, and he's uh, is Delhi Delhi Ali back? What, what do you think about his performance? I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him. I'm happy with him. But he's he's not quite, but he's, he's someone where he's always trying. He's always trying stuff, but it's not always going to work. You've got to be patient with him. There's a lot of people who think, well, he's done, but. Mm. He just, he's always trying stuff. Even the goal against Palace all those years ago, he knocked mm. over the guy's head. That's, he just tries stuff, and you just gotta, you just have the patience of him. Cause these moments are magic now, don't we? Yeah, I mean, so he's, just turn again. Really. He'll always do flicks and stuff, and um, obviously you're gonna touch because we're in a shit run. But he has to have the freedom and the space to do that. Yeah, I think it's his problem is just that it's because you know the whole team is not performing that well so you know somebody every player has a dip occasionally as well but what you hope is that the rest of the team can carry him through mm. and there's so you know it's that creativity that's, that's breaking down again as well as the old pressing game and that's there, there don't seem to be any ideas out on the pitch and you look to somebody like Ali especially with Ericsson essentially you know just not really being there at all you know 
He's uh, he did a lovely nutmeg in midfield, but shades of old. Mm. And it literally when he did it, when he beat his man, the whole fucking uh, attack opened up. Yeah, and yeah. Then he thought that's that's the Delhi of old. Did you hear the stat though? Oh. Him and El- him and are the only person to have scored four home goals for Tottenham in different stadiums. Sorry, Old Wart Lane, New Wart Lane, MK, Wembley. and Wembley. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, so literally at this day, don't know how uh, how we fix this. We've got Liverpool coming up. <laughs> Almost in a way, the Liverpool game is coming at a good time. There's, there's a already, we've lulled them into a full sense of security. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they'll be expecting to get a hat for them. We're absolutely going to murder them. It's a shame that they didn't like, uh, that United didn't wallop them. I mean, sorry, they didn't wallop United. Yeah, I would have preferred that. Yeah. They didn't look great. Um, we could, we could get him. We, we could do, we could do. But um, <laughs> I hope it kills you. Yeah. There was um. Remember, there's a Spurs song about the Titanic sinking and us beating Liverpool in '85. I think. Yeah. Right. Um. And I thought about today that I think it sunk in 1912 and we've won like less than five times. <laughs> Anfield. Really. The Titanic sunk. Yeah, no, it's just that we always used to do that stat. It was when Garth Crooks got the winner, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The first time in about 70 years since the Titanic went down, and the story's supposed to be that on the team coach Paul Miller turned around and he said. Uh, are we shitting themselves on the QE2 today? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a fucking horrible ground to go to. And I went there once and we won. And I'm never going back. Uh, Klingsman Sharon. Nope, it was Modric and Van der Vaart. That was 2-0, wasn't it? Yep. Oh, man. It's just to the FA Cup quarter-final, Klingsman Sharon was yeah, one of yeah. my favourite games ever. Yeah, the Sharon's uh, sort of curling free kick. Yeah, and yeah. I think the away fans were on the other side of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, we're all in the Annie Road. I think we had about 8,000 there that day or something. And the cop clapped us off at the end of the game. We were so good that they, they literally stood up and they clapped Spurs off. We weren't even that good that season. Like, we had a well, great next game. We played the Euro final. Amakachi. Amakachi. Yeah, it was a 4-1. Yeah, it was a 12-30 kick-off. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, it's going to be alright though, isn't it? It's going to be alright. What do we do now? Just wait it out, really? You've just got to keep going. I mean, you, 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 we'll only improve if we go through more games. You don't want, you don't want a big gap. We've had an international break. Mm. There's, there's another break next month, I think. So that's not helpful. Like Carl was saying on the Five Statement podcast on Patreon, he said, uh, he goes, you've got to be a realist about this. I'm like, I don't. I don't have to be a realist. I can be optimist if I like. I can't, regardless of how I feel about the situation, it isn't going to change anything. How we, how we treat things as football fans is all self-preservation. Now, some people would rather face the reality that we're crap and not be surprised when we are crap. Mm. And some people want to go to a game thinking, well, I think the best is going to happen because that's what a fan should do. I'm going to go to this game thinking we're going to win and that my positive vibes are going to bounce off everyone around me and True. Affect, the, affect the players but I don't think I feel worse than a realist after we draw at Watford I feel like that they, they're as angry as they would have been otherwise so I just choose to spend my day a little bit happier I just think people just, just like being angry like sometimes you lash out at yeah well we can come on to that um, so uh, yeah um, a, a nice take a draw Anfield absolutely should have drawn last fucking season yeah can, we, hang on did, did you get Louis got nominated for the Ballon d'Or have I missed something? Why are you saying that? No, it's on a shortlist. No, you, you must be. Sonny has been. Really? I mean, what's the point of being shortlisted for something like that that you're never going to win? Like, why do they even have a shortlist? It's a front it's captain. Just have the the three best three best players. Like that's in there. So I've got to see at home. I'm showing there's a picture of some of the people shortlisted, and Hugo Lloris is among. So you've got Mane, Aguero, De Jong, Lloris, and Tadic. That's just one section, right? Yeah, there's yeah, lo- yeah. There's loads. There's a long list, I'd imagine. You know, Massimo Luongo was one shortlisted for Ballon d'Or. This yeah, because they have to have a, they have to have someone from each federation. I think. Complete waste of time. 
it's an absolute complete yeah but that's his legacy though when he's like when he's like in his 50s he has nominated once yeah but he has to add a caveat to that it's like yeah because I'm, I was the only Australian don't, don't, don't need a caveat mate just say you just don't say. need a caveat yeah they ain't gonna know exactly. how, how's a fucking five year old kid gonna tell him something different exactly yeah and if he did it'd be chippy and he'd need, well, need just give him a slap discipline yeah uh, don't condone hitting children some kids yeah some of them deserve it though to be fair uh, so yeah one step from glory Martin. Uh so like you this, so what, what is the book about because if you look at the cover what, what would people think do you think uh, the book the book's about um, why Europe's important to Spurs it's about why uh, what Pochettino's done since he's got there and um, it's kind of based on Alex Finn who wrote the book with um, his uncle is a guy called Ralph L. Finn who wrote a book called Spurs Supreme in uh, 1961 about the double winning team and he kind of wanted to do a book I've known Alex for a few years um, and he's written some really good books on, on Spurs and Arsenal um, over the years and we talked about doing a book together for a while and he wanted to do something when kind of it looked like Pochettino was really really achieving something and there's quite an extraordinary story of what Spurs have achieved over the last five years that they've punched above their weight and that Pochettino's done more than he's expected to do so we wanted to tell the story of that team uh, and obviously that Champions League run of last year was the thing to hang it around so we kind of did the sort of the, the match by match and the run to the final of that but the, the book in itself is about why Europe is really important to Spurs and about what Pochettino's done um, why it's a great achievement and we, one of the things we wanted to look at is I think um, and so does Alex that one of the reasons why this team is so loved by the fans when it's doing well yeah. is because it isn't just a team that's been bought in it's not the, the, the big money thing and I know there's a whole conversation to go on about are we spending enough money or not you know have we got that money but it's a team that's been coached and I think a lot of us have got that thing that you know it's almost like that's that's real football and that's there's a real achievement there that's been made and so we wanted to look at that a bit and say well you know is that a little bit of us being a bit too full of ourselves or does that really mean something and I'd actually say that a lot of fans of, of other clubs will probably not admit it but there's a grudging admiration for the way that Spurs have done it we've not just gone out and like bought the top players and you know got the kind of the oil state behind us and just throw money at the, at the problem we tried to build something so we did that and I think where the, where the when it first came out it was quite well received and then in the in this good old football banter um, it was Arsenal fans on Amazon started uh, kind of harking back to the you know old Spurs issue with DVD every yeah. time they win a match which actually most clubs issued DVDs of matches that was just a thing that they did 10 yeah. years ago and they really had DVDs yeah. uh, I think we probably over marketed uh, a couple of the games so the, the, the joke came up that Spurs have won a game and they've won a DVD and it's celebrating you know not getting anywhere and I think that then they started doing these kind of really witty reviews on Amazon saying oh, you know, they've written a book about not winning a final and of course they haven't read the book it's not about not winning a final but you know that the description one step from glory that, that is a factual observation of what happened last year mm. but the fact that we got to that final and if you look at the way that modern football is supposed to be Spurs were never supposed to get to that final you know, we don't generate enough money we don't pay enough wages we don't pay the big fees we weren't supposed to be there and the fact that we got there was a real achievement. The thing is, would it have been better if we'd have won? Of course it would. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that there are tons and tons of football books about nearly getting there. Yeah. Like Liverpool, there, are, there must be about like four books. Well, the big one I always say is that one of the best football books ever written, in my opinion, is a book called All Played Out by a guy called Pete Davis, and it's a story of England at Italian 90. Yeah. And it's, it's a fantastic book, and if people haven't read that, that is a proper, fantastic, really, really good read. But... England went out in the semi-finals 
Yeah. You know. <laughs> so I think the difference between that there's two things. There's one that social media didn't exist, so there wasn't this kind of platform yeah. for people to get each other with. Mm. Uh, and secondly, everyone was all in that together, weren't they? And you can so so while there is this kind of constant kind of releasing of, of long form books about nearly misses, which your book's no different at all, there is now a different medium for which football fans to communicate and any chance to dig out Spurs or any other football club you will take and we've had we've had a fair share of this yeah. like we had like the one club song a while back yeah. if you remember that, that well, I get that and we, we, we do it the other way but I think the where, where the, the, the problem came in in a way and I just thought you know people there's no way of saying this without sounding like you're being a bit cheapy because people don't like something that you've done right but it's the misrepresentation the misunderstanding that, that is a bit annoying I've got to say and all right you know Arsenal fans are going to have a go they're going to do the banter but it's then when it's picked up by Spurs fans and I'm being told things like you know the reason that we haven't won anything is because you wrote a book it's like, one, I don't believe the players are in the slightest bit interested in no. me, the book, Alex Finn, anything else at all. And actually, if somebody writing a book is going to affect them, then maybe they're not as good as we think they are no, as yeah. well. But that's it. But there are people genuinely, you know, have, have, have like directly messaged me and going, you know, that it's, it's your fault. Right? This is a small club mentality. It's produced by you. Uh, really? Well, we, and you're kind of falling for the Arsenal banter here, aren't it's you? A bit, it, I think it's a bit fresh, though, as well. I mean, it's only, what, three, four months ago yeah. of the game. So... And I guess my view that maybe it could have waited a few more months, and then then it was all the time. But then you know it's not something that maybe you've got any control over. What was um, the reason behind the, the, the release time? It, it's it's basic marketing again. I think the publisher wanted to. If it had been a long time afterwards, it'd be well, you know, that would have been well, why you write about competition getting done. But it was like it's last year's Champions League. Uh, it's still fresh in people's minds. Yeah. It's a story that's there. The characters are all still there as well. Mm. It was launched to 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 coincide with the start of the season. Uh, um, you know, it launched in, in the week that the Champions League kicked off this season as well. So, yeah. So the, you know, the criticism I get that, but the criticism could have gone the other way. It's just that, well, you know, why have you waited till now? Why couldn't you have said that last time? There's, uh, and we did think about. It. We had a discussion with the publisher. I mean, I accept that. I said, well, okay, well, look, if we don't win, because we had to decide to, to go ahead with it, we got most of it written in about about a month, and we had to kind of put all the match reports and the papers together and all the rest of it as well. But we said, well, does it does it change it? You know, if, if we don't win that final, and actually we said, well, it, no, it doesn't, because it is about you know why Europe is important to Spurs, why that that caught people's imagination that run to the final. I mean, mm. the, the, the story of it itself is extraordinary that we almost went out five times, yeah, and yeah. yet there we were in the final as well. I mean, the, the and only, only on level terms of thirty seconds, you know. If it was made into a film for cinema, it's almost not from a Spurs fan's perspective, but from a narrative perspective. The fact that we did everything we could and then not to win. Mm. is a story worth telling in itself absolutely we'd only, we've only had for about 125 minutes throughout the whole fucking mm. oh yeah yeah knockout stage yeah. Or where it was so it is an incredible story it does need to be told yeah. but that isn't that doesn't matter none of that, that and, matters and, and, and so let, let's, uh, let's say we'd won it after a scrappy game and Kane got a tapping which isn't a real goal according to most fans of other clubs as well then that, that would have been being thrown at it as well oh, you, know, well they, you know they've written a book celebrating the win but it wasn't really a win because they didn't do it properly well it was a bit like that's um, a criticism of Kane isn't it he doesn't score proper goals mm. they, say, they say Spurs really? are, they say Spurs are crap Reach the Champions League final. Why are you happy for them? Like, well, we're crap. We've reached the final. Yeah, yeah. What do you yeah, want from yeah. us? Yeah. And you I know. think you could, but also that they, you know, it's just it's going to be kind of highfalutin and philosophical to be like about it. But that, it worries me that people can't enjoy the entertainment. They can't take the joy from something. And of course, I wanted to win that game more than anything. Right? I want us to win trophies again. 
That's it. But the last five years, some of the football that we've seen has been fantastic. And I think that when people are saying the only thing that matters is winning, right? and, and of course you have to have that. And we talk about this in the book, the famous Danny Blanchflower quote, which is always like, you know, supposed to be a bit of a millstone around the neck, the game is about glory. Mm. He talks about glory and winning. He didn't just talk about glory. It's always misinterpreted. People say, well, Spurs fans would rather play sexy football but not win anything. And it's like, no, no, we, we, we want to play sexy football and we want to win. Yeah. That, that's the point. The two of those things go together. The two of them are really important. But in the end, most teams don't win. That's why the game's interesting. That's why if, you, if everything was certain, you wouldn't want to go along there. It's just a lot. People can't take the joy out of it. I and mean, it worries me a little but bit. There's a, lot, there's a lot of frustration in that. Um, there's so many, there's so much grief that our fans are getting from other teams that, you know. You about, no, no, exactly. You know, sort of cho- I mean, every time we win a big game, we'd be uh, Real Madrid at Wembley. Mm. And that was in the trophy cabinet, that win against Real Madrid. Mm. Um, we should have a league final. That's in the trophy cabinet as well. So. All this is brought up over time, and then I think the book just kind of pushed some people over the edge. Yeah, yeah. Come on, I'm getting all these WhatsApp messages from my mates saying, you know, you've written a book about not winning the final. And then some people can rise above it and say, look, you know, those are some of the best memories they've had. You know, the Ajax game was was the apex for mm. a lot of people. Probably will be the pinnacle of in terms I mean, of what we went through. In the time I've been supporting, in the time I've been supporting Spurs, I've been been a Spurs fan since nineteen eighty seven. That's probably the biggest game I've ever had against Liverpool. Obviously, we didn't win it, so the game's irrelevant. Mm. But it's bigger than the FA Cup final in ninety one. It's bigger than the FA Cup final in eighty seven. Bigger than bigger than any of those games because this is this is the biggest prize in club football. And you know, we were a hand <laughs> we were a soccer handball away from maybe doing better. Yeah, could have changed all things. But I, I wonder how much of it is that, that people are still so fucking upset the fact that we didn't not not even didn't win it, but didn't perform anywhere near at the level that we that, that got us to that, that that final. And I wonder that that they were still hurting, they're still frustrated and then this came up, the book came out and it was just like suddenly this is a a valve to release yeah it. I think there's a bit of that and I mean I'd say to people wouldn't, I would say wouldn't I I'd say look read it and if you still think that and you think it's rubbish or you think you, then, then that's fine that's, that's a valid opinion you've yeah. read it and you've made up your own mind based on what you think or what other people have told you to think or what they've said you know it's based on what you think that's it everyone isn't going to like it but no, that's not their motive though Martin. they've already got their release by just looking at the and what was but you get this as well that's the problem isn't it that you, you know you find people are arguing about something and you think hold on a minute that this is based on what somebody thought that somebody said that someone thought that someone said about someone they thought this really yeah. and we're having this argument about what exactly what know? was most disappointing I thought when you had like legitimate media outlets using it as an opportunity yes, yes. well that ESPN who I will call out and I called them out publicly on social media and they didn't come back but mocked up a picture of the cover with a picture of Harry Kane holding his forehead yeah. and said Spurs have written a two, Spurs have written yeah. a 224 page book about losing the Champions League final and then they put Spursy underneath it and ESPN used to be a really good outlet but it's just like that is just one inaccurate it's badly researched and it's just a bit petty well, just doing it for, for clicks really so, well, for social well media, done ESPN. social media is, it, it is that way that's how they get the only thing that they will do is, is something that creates retweets and likes that's exactly it I mean it's back to the Roy Keane point early on as well there's a lot of football like I follow a couple of football pages on, um, on Instagram mm. don't really follow them on Twitter <clears throat> and I find that the most engagement they get is posts about Spurs a lot of the time because um, they're an easy target Spurs have a fairly sizable fan base that will buy to it and it will just generate views Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's what it's but also the other side of it I mean Arsenal the Arsenal fan base is massive on social media their Facebook and Twitter yes. followers and everything so they're very very active on there and very weak yeah. 
Yeah, weak. Yeah. Mentally, yeah. mentally weak. I mean, um, you look at the, you know, going nostalgic again, the 1987 season, that's an example of one step from glory because he could have won the league perhaps, could have won the FA Cup. Well, could have stri- won. Stryker and Clive Adams scored 47 goals, that yeah, right? Yeah, 49. 49. Yeah, could have, could have won a League Cup yeah. as well. We were in the same final of the League Cup. We were behind for two minutes and lost that game. Yeah. Now, a book about that season wouldn't be terrible. No. But you couldn't release... If that's... If that is ever season happened now, mm. if it is a book about it, you'd die. Does that you'd change, literally does, die. Does, does it change, change, change the face of football coverage? You know, <laughs> when we did one, no one can ever write a book about anything. Because that's, that's an interesting season because um, that season made George Graham who he was and it mm. killed Tottenham because yeah. Graham winning that 1987 Little Cup Gave Arsenal um, a springboard to jump from us. Spurs just kind of fell away. Yeah, it was banned from Europe. Hoddle leaves, and would you, um, would you, would you do it again, Mike? Um, I think I'd look at each idea in a way. I mean, you know, that that is an interesting idea for a book. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, we know a few of the players, you know, that were there from doing the boys and what at Langley those years ago as well. So it's an interesting story to tell. Um, I'm sure a lot of the, you know, there's some great characters in that team too. So and it was a fantastic season. And it was that turning point. It was an interesting year because that was really when you know Arsenal started. You know, they moved ahead of us and they started pulling away at that yeah. stage. And again, when, you know, I've been watching the team since since the early seventies, really. And you know, we were always fairly even before then. And then there was the, the gap opened up. So, um, but get, my question is: Is would you would you write this book again? This book, yeah. But, but um, if you knew that the grief that was coming, would you just save yourself from it, or would um, you do it again? No, there's always going to be some grief about something, really. I mean, I've, I've learned that over the past few years, you know, whether it's been involved with a trust or anything. I think any time you, you kind of put your head up, then people think, you know, you get a section of people who just think, you know, you're just doing it because you're a big head, you think you're better than them or whatever. You guys get stick because apparently you think you're better than other fans because you just do, because you do the podcast, yeah. you know, yeah. and everything. And, and everybody's at it. So I think you've got to just try and get on with your life. And as long as you think you've done something for reasons that you're honest with yourself about, for the right reasons, then you've got to stick by it, really. So, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it just it kind of it's an, it's just annoying when you get misrepresented and you just think like as I said earlier, you know, if people don't like something, then that's that's absolutely fine. But it's that when you get encoded for something and you think, well, that's not actually what I've done or what I've said, you know. And the thing is, there's no way to challenge that because yeah, if you go if you back challenge and it, you give it more airspace, don't you? Yeah, you can't win yeah. sometimes. It's like you know, it didn't happen of a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, once you that like I I got caught up in that once you did, because yeah. I was I actually saw a woman wrestling a bloody swan on the side of the M4, right, yeah. uh, and I tweeted it because that that's yeah. fucking an incredible thing to see. Yeah, yeah. someone tweeted that the or was it D D O H Y, and I'm like, I there's nothing I can say here. I know it's true. Yeah. I can't go back saying no, no, it's true because that just like yeah, whatever, mate. But the only good thing about it is is that, that you, you kind of forget, and I think because a lot of what we do, you know, that the social media is a, is a brilliant thing, and it does transmit stuff, and it enables you to kind of you know connect and meet people and find out about things as whatever. But it's still not everybody, and it's not that big. And the, the thing that always kind of makes me feel a bit better, you, you'll say something to somebody to a mate of yours who's like not really on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and they go, well, "What's the problem?" And they go, "Yeah, but it's on. Tw- there's all this stuff on Twitter," and he's like. So what? Mm. Like it's just it's just on Twitter. What, what's, what's your problem? What's your issue? You know? It does go away the minute you close the app. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you're, you're writing partner. What's his name? Sorry, Alex Finn. Yeah, Alex Finn. How, what's his take? Because I presume he's not on Twitter and stuff. Uh, no, Alex is on Twitter. I mean, Alex is. Uh, we, you know, uh, we. W- one of the interesting things about the book is that, that we're very kind of different characters. So Alex uh, used to work in the world of advertising. So you talk to him about Mad Men. If you're a fan of the Mad Men, yeah, it was like that. 
Uh, he worked for Suchis um, in the 70s and 80s, and he was the guy who um, was originally brought in by the FA to advise on what then became the Premier League. And they took some of Alex's ideas, uh, yeah. which are the ones that made them lots of money, but some of the other ideas he had about levelling out the competitive side of it uh, didn't take. But he's also, he advised Spurs in the 1980s. Spurs were the first club to run a TV advertising campaign to get fans to go to the ground. Uh, and it was a time when attendances were down right, right across the board. So, so he kind of comes from that generation that used to go and see Arsenal one week, Spurs the next, but he knows a lot of people. He knew Wenger really well, he knew Venables really well, mm -hmm. he knew Maurice Keston. So all of that, that kind of, you know, that section of support. So he's kind of well connected like that. And he, he knows both clubs really well. Mm -hmm. uh, and he knows, he knows about the football business. And again, one of the reasons we wanted to do this was to some of Alex's ideas about how the business is working uh, were interesting. So is he impressed by how Tottenham are run? Um, as a business uh, yeah he is um, he, I think that he'll have a view that maybe they, you know, they need to sort of step up and show a bit more ambition um, um, you know, so what end though does it improve the brand or um, it improves the status he, he, he thinks well, one of the interesting things he said which the club will probably disagree with he said he's worried that the club are going to make a mistake with the naming rights in the stadium because he said that if you look at something like Anfield or Old Trafford they're always going to be Anfield or Old Trafford you look at the Oval right it's been like the Foster's Oval or the Brit Oval or the Keir Oval but it's always the Oval yeah. he said that Arsenal uh, uh, their, their ground is named after an airline and when the airline decides to move on somewhere they haven't got anything there. He said that you know the whole it's a balance between maximising your commercial potential, but also keeping your brand identity. And he said, I hope that Spurs don't lose the name of their stadium. Um, and I mean, at the moment, you know, you could say, you know, some people have said, well, that it is deliberate that we haven't got the name rights because you had Tottenham Hotspur Stadium all over America when we had the yeah, NFL games as well. Um, now, whether that was a plan or not, but it certainly wouldn't run done the brand any harm, will it? I, I'm really proud actually when you're in the stadium and you hear like Tottenham, we are Tottenham from the lane, and yeah. the shelf side and the pylon because it's kind of they, they are they would have, the club I'd imagine would allow us to get some of that heritage. Mm. It doesn't suit their. their I, I don't think that'll ever go away, and I was never worried about that. And I mean, people say you know, well, should should the new ground be called White Hart Lane? And part of me says no because. I, I loved White Hart Lane and that was a special place a particular yeah. place and that, that, that's, we'll, we'll never forget that any of us that were there um, what should a new ground be called you know well Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is actually alright by me at the moment and, you know, it's better than fucking Amazon Stadium I guess but yeah. I, I just I would love them just to say White Hart Lane I was actually quite yeah. confused but by we're the, always uh, going to sing we are Tottenham from the lane that, that, that isn't going to stop it's mm. on White Hart Lane so Arsenal Stadium isn't with Ashburton Grove, yeah, but there's no history behind yeah. that. And the fact they've never really fought for that either, the Ashburton Grove. Well, what is what's Ashburton Grove to do with their history? Nothing. It's a rubbish it's previously. Well, yeah. Well, no, but we the, the, <laughs> see. This is the football banter again. You heard the Everton are running into trouble with their ground, don't they? If you heard about all this one, what's, no, what's that? Because apparently the site is it's this, it's this kind of sewage works. So the Liverpool <laughs> fans are calling it the poo camp. So we think we got trouble, you know. <laughs> but that, White Hart Lane was never officially named. You know that it was it was never actually. It was just the they, they started stadium, calling right? that. Um, it was called the High Road Stadium. It's called the Cumberland Park and it's called White Hart Lane in the papers in sort of like the early part of the 19th century and White Hart Lane was the one that kind of stuck but it was never on White it used to confuse people like, I'm yeah. on White Hart Lane where's the ground it's yeah. like, around the corner you know but it was never formally named um, uh, yeah there's an Amazon documentary coming out and I don't know what the motive is from the club money. I don't know when it's money do you think yeah. how much are you going to get paid for that every single rev revenue stream the club are pouring themselves out for it. I mean, even at the NFL, I mean, 
Yeah, but that's big money, isn't it? You can run a But they'd rather do that in the Amazon dock than buy a fucking player. <laughs> no one but, but, but no, seriously, I think it's, it's just a revenue stream. It's all about getting our name out there. And I think it's tied into like the NFL. Market, yeah. I think it's tied to the NFL thing a lot more. I think there's going to be a lot more focus on the NFL. So you can have like... Because there's been pictures of some of the NFL players wearing Spurs yeah. memorabilia or mm. hats and merch and all that other stuff. And I reckon you're probably going to see some... I don't know. I don't know much about NFL. Some cornerback yeah, or like, tight end. So yeah, you know, I love it here in London. And you know, Spurs have been very good. Look at the dressing room. And no one's really going to dig us out about the NFL, though. But if if it, 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 as do you know anything about this, Martin? Is it the, the first I saw was when it was announced, and I, I, I can't, it was the most unlikely thing. There were mumblings of it. I heard mumblings about about a month ago. But I thought, yeah. why why would you think it was unlikely? It's just really someone like Spurs that they they like to control everything that's said about them and done about them as well. And their general attitude is kind of why say anything in public if you don't need to. It always seems to have been there. And yet this that they're going to have to allow a fair bit of access. I mean, I do. Uh, my sympathies do go out with the producer because there's going to be carnage in the editing suite. Yeah, we're not going to people all over. We're not going to absolve kind of creative control, right? Yeah. Why would they? I'll tell you what, they've already cut out though the bit where Larice falls through the bar. It <laughs> 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 was broken off. What, um, so it only falls on Orson's rerun. So, so this is a continuous loop, Larice falling through a bar. So, this isn't something that has been filmed, it's due to be filmed, right? Uh, well, well, I, the the okay. impression I got from what the club, because they had a big article about it on the website, didn't they? Saying it's going to be this, that, and the other, and yeah, they're filming it through this season. So Through this season, yeah. Because yeah. people have been saying that maybe what's actually happening is, is this part of the narrative structure. So, we're starting off deliberately really badly so that you can get that story up going up to the big finish, you see. Well, I'm sure they thought that about Sunderland when they went down. Probably. You know, I, I, know, I know you're a big fan of um, Last Chance You. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Who do you think is Isaiah right? But who do you think is going to end up in prison? Spoilers, no apologies. Um, the best, do you remember that there was one about Sheffield United years ago when um, I think. Uh, well, Warnock and Jackie Ogark in, in the dressing room. Right, so they, they, they used to have to beep out the, the dressing room rents <laughs> at half time, but there were so many swear words that you just it was about like two minutes of beeping and ten seconds of words. Yeah. Do you think that they, they value the increased awareness in the brand over the potential impact that it has on fans a hundred million million whatever that number is percent so if you I think they've got they to care. That, that's, that's the way the modern game is they, they've they got care? to maximise the brand but in, 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 the, in the Premier League there's two brands that are miles in front of everyone else and that's Liverpool and Manchester United yeah. I don't like that fact but it's a fact as, a, as global brands they are miles in front of everybody else we're competing Right, with, with Chelsea and City and Arsenal and everything for, for a bit more of the market as well. So, and you know, that is what will generate the income and that's what will generate the, 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 the prestige, if you like, of the club and attract the players. So, if we weren't doing it, a lot of fans probably quite rightly would criticise. Do I like talking about football in those terms? Not particularly, but so unfortunately, that, that is what the game is now like in 2019. It isn't the 1950s anymore. If they. If they stick together a narrative for this season and it goes overseas, which is that this is kind of aimed at, isn't it? Yeah. it? It goes overseas and kind of this is an insight to our football club that the fans who've been going for 30, 40 years have never been privy to. Mm. Uh, but now the, the kind of game's different. Like a 2019 the, glory game, isn't it? In a way. Yeah. In a way, yeah. We won a trophy that season, so. <laughs> that was groundbreaking, wasn't it? And actually, Bill Nicholson said, I wish I'd never allowed Hunter Davis to do that book. This is so those like don't Because it, it was too much behind the scenes. For those that don't know, this is a Glory Game is a book that was written in the 70s, right? 71, 72. And Spurs, which is another first, <coughs> I guess, uh, gave un, 
presidented and unbridled <coughs> access <coughs> to Hunter Davies, who was a what, journalist. And he was a journalist for Sunday Times, and he, he just wrote to him off chance and said, um, "Do you mind?" He was a Spurs fan as well. He said, "Do you mind if?" Uh, I'd just kind of basically take along with the team and go in the dressing room and go to the games and they went, yeah, no problem at all because they didn't really, it wasn't sophisticated then. No. And if you, if football you, wasn't such a big thing either, was it? It's a great bit. I mean, if you're new to Tottenham, then that's a book I'd, I saw as the first book I recommend to yeah. new Spurs fans and um, the glory game, Hunter Davis. Um, it was also the first book that actually talked about the fans because in one chapter he goes on the Skinhead special to Coventry. Yeah, Coventry. With the Spurs fans and he's in the away end when like, they take the Coventry in yeah. as well. And it's just, but, and it, yeah. but that, I remember when I read that and I was like, no one ever writes about us. And now like, there's so many books about fans. Yeah. It, but that was the first book that actually had something football fans incredibly out. written as well uh, do, you, do you remember Among the Fugs by Bill Burford yeah 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 so yeah. that was one of the first books I wrote, wrote about uh, wrote, <laughs> read about uh, football violence and it still stands out as probably the best piece of work and they, they followed uh, United over to Juve yeah. and a lot of it's written in kind of local tongue well the 90s it would have been probably earlier than that 80s, 80s yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah and the, the copy I had was this kind of uh, Fug with kind of the Union Jack painted on and all that's what a fug would look like. But yeah, it's a great, he's a, an American jet, uh, writer. Yeah, he got he? a lot of criticism because he was kind of quite a sort of a lofty character, and there was a little bit of it kind of like, aren't these kind of like rather dreadful people who go to football with a bit sort of, of an interesting social case study? You know? It was, it was uh, a bit, like, a that, bit yeah. like that. It was a bit condescending. So. But he got, he got access and trust in, yeah. as, a, as, a, as an American, in uh, at a time when football hooliganism was its probably its worst in inverted comedy. No, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, Amazon Doc, I do kind of, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, who's going to be the reality TV star of all this? Not the players. Because you're going to probably interview the kit man and some of us, some dinner lady yeah. and, you know, but maybe Sam Felstein, the, you know, the PR guy. He's probably telling the stories. Yeah. Story of PR, like yeah, because um, I don't think, I mean, the players will be guarded as ever and they'll probably be media trained into their lives. But. We interested to see the reality TV stars. Is it the same people that did the city? Yes, I've not actually yeah. seen that. I saw my only point of reference is the Sunderland one, and I really enjoyed that. I thought it was alright. Mm. Well, but that's the other criticism as well, isn't it? Is that people say, "Oh, you know, like it's, it's back to the name." What you were saying about the name of the book as well, all or nothing. You know, let's let's write. But yeah, that's, that's the name of the series. Isn't it? <laughs> the name of the series. <laughs> Change the fucking name. Uh, well, yeah, because we know the answer is fucking nothing. It's isn't fuck, it? all. fuck all. Or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Fuck all or nothing. Um, what, what I would say is that my understanding I haven't watched it either but my understanding of that was that it felt like a propaganda piece for City and oh, yeah. I'm happy for a piece of propaganda to come out yeah, at the yeah. time yeah, it's all about it's all about their brand as well I mean as Martin alluded to earlier on I, mean, I actually don't think Liverpool were behind on the whole branding thing Man United when the Premier League blew up they were yeah. the first to really capitalise on it mm. and Chelsea are in there too Liverpool were a bit late now Liverpool are using their their brand strength more I fucking hate that I'm talking about this. I've got a marketing degree that I never talk about. I've come out of all the bloody terms <laughs> oh, I've studied. Uh-huh. But, um, some of Liverpool's yeah. fan base is, is based on the fact that they were like really successful during the 70s and early 80s yes. as well. So they've got that international support because of those European cup wins at that stage. And, you know. yeah. But then they were very successful in the 80s. They thought, well, why, why have we got to do the whole brand thing? We're, we're Liverpool. We're, you know, mm. you know, we're Scouse, you know, mm. Red or Dead, all that stuff. But they, you know, they thought they were above doing what United done and blatantly they're they are a very well run club now and they weren't five or six years ago they, they weren't a particularly well run club but so they know Gillette and yeah Hicks and Gillette, Gillette, yeah. Gillette, yeah. Yeah. but some way of coming and they've actually they've just quietly gone about their business as well 
and been well, reacting. Yeah, that's about this one. You know, yeah. I'm going to beat him next week. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but one one final thing on Fenway is that they they were reactive to the will of the fans. Like they they wanted to charge the fans the money. But Liverpool, whatever you say about Liverpool, the fact that they mobilised and left the ground in the way they did when they did that walkout was an incredible feat. It, it, it was brilliant, and I take nothing away from it, but it, there's a lot of mythology that builds up around it as well, because there, there was a huge argument about that walkout, and if you remember, they were 2-0 up when they walked out on the 77th minute, because yeah. that was the price of the tickets in, in the cop, and that was a symbolic thing, and they drew two all, and they got coated by a lot of fans, and we, we know people on Spirit of Shankly, their supporters union up there, and they were really worried beforehand, because calling for a walkout is always a big thing, yeah. right? it wasn't particularly, you know, there's this myth that, you know, Everyone in Liverpool is this kind of socialist firebrand, and they all, you know, they can't wake up in the morning without taking collective action. There's, there's a variety <laughs> of opinions around. That is everyone up? Well, you know. there's, there's a bit of an issue there, and also, you know, their club actually Spurs talk to us more than Liverpool talk to their fans mm. as well. You know, so I think so. Well, you know, like what you talk about. So, and you talk to their, a lot of their fans, and they've got issues with some of the things that Liverpool are doing. So, you know, yes, it's really well run, but that's not. You know, they're not these kind of like perfect sort of. No, yeah. but if, if anywhere there was going to place that it would work, it's probably probably Liverpool. Yeah, but and, and they'll, they'll trade on that. There, there's a sense of identity and there is a sense of collectivism that goes with Liverpool as well. So. While we're talking about Liverpool, did you see that tweet uh, after the game against uh, United? You know what? Um, Trunk, old friend of the fighting cock, yeah. sends me this tweet on WhatsApp. So I just read it, I thought, this is funny. An hour later, I thought, this guy's got a fucking blue tick. <laughs> yeah. And he's come up with that. Never those blue what, what's, his, uh, what's his name? Paul Tompkins. I, I can find a tweet in a sec. He's, he's one of the regular big Liverpool bloggers. Oh, so he's a blogger? Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, his, yeah. That's his thing. I think he's involved with the Anfield ref as well. But Do you know what we're talking about in terms of this tweet? Yeah, I saw the tweet. I mean, I, haven't, I didn't watch any of the game yesterday, so I can't really comment on it, but I... It seems like a little bit of a stretch. But. And that one is 100% a stretch. So if you haven't seen it, it's at, at Atkinson, which is the referee, has ignored fouls on Origi and Mane before Origi was fouled. He's a fucking disgrace. VIR then ignores what Gary Neville calls a clear foul. Liverpool have, uh, have to overcome a clear bias against black foreign players by refs. He's going so well. Black foreign players. So, so if they're black and English, you'd have like, you know. Well, the but their scouts are not English, so. What my issue here, mate, is there's two, there's two issues. One, <laughs> you can't just fucking ignore the Suarez stuff all those years ago. The t shirts. Yeah, the t shirts. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll let you make your point, guys, and then go on. And, and the, sec- the second thing is that there, was, there are really important conversations about racism happening yes. in football right now. Absolutely. To attach your, your frustration, the fact the ref didn't go your way, to. A very current conversation is not only stupid; it's actually fucking irresponsible. I don't think the biggest issues facing black footballers is having decisions. Against them, you know what I mean? Forget the monkey charts. You know, forget about getting missiles thrown at us like home gate by the keeper did. Yeah, let's talk about a bloody VAR decision. You know, it's embarrassing. You know, I make Martin Luther King proud. <laughs> Fight against a VAR handball, mate. Um, no, it's, it's it's bizarre and. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot said about Liverpool with, you know, victims and all that stuff. And that tweet just kind of summed it all up, didn't yeah, it? But the trouble is, is because I, I, I hate all that as well. And I know, you know, that's not a particularly popular view amongst a lot of Spurs fans. But, I, you know, I, I, all this kind of Liverpool always a victims thing as well. It's I'm not, just I'm people not just piling in and, and it, you know, it's just like apparently it's all banter. It's like, really? But it isn't, it isn't, that's not what this is about. It's not about finding the truth. It's about getting one over. And that's what the crux is. I don't think anything goes. I think there are some things which, which are, you cross the line in football. So there's a few there. It doesn't matter. It's football. Anything goes. You use anything to get at the opposition. 
and I think some things you don't use. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think it says the same me and Philip are seeing pretty much everything you can see on Twitter to say about other teams. You know, we're seeing Munich stuff and Hillsborough stuff, yeah, and, um, yeah. and they're just it's just kids doing it for retweets. If you meet these kids yeah. in real life, they're probably a 15 year old who probably says two words a day, yeah, but on social media, it's just like 10 foot giant yeah. who you know. Just talk, talk to our fans that were at Hillsborough in uh, in eighty one. Yeah, they nearly got caught in the same thing. The week before, a, lot, yeah. a lot of our a lot of our fans don't know that. And one of the ninety six was a Spurs fan. Yeah, he was, given, yeah. He's given he's given his mates a lift, and he didn't come home from the football. So my uh, a my dad was there. He was at eighty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A week before was it a week before a couple of weeks. Before? No, it wasn't a week before. Was it? No, no, years, no, it was, years before. Yeah, it was years, years before. That was that was the because we had the we, we played Wolves, didn't we? They played them at Highbury, yeah. and then, then we. Can you say the kind of there was like a section that was available to get into, or, or they could get into the, the, the people got Leppin, pe- Leppin, people got Spurs were in Leppin's Lane, and Spurs fans were getting crushed in the tunnel, and they were getting crushed down near the fences at the front of the pitch as well. And what happened then is that the police let them go; they let them through the gates, they let them through onto the edge of the pitch. But and you can see the photos of the games. There's, there's fans sitting around the touchline as well. But you talk to people who were there. You know, talk, Alan Fisher was there for. Um, Took them on my mind blog as well, and he said, like, you know, when they when everybody saw what, what was happening in '89, there was those Spurs supporters that were there that day in '81. He just said, like, my blood just ran cold. Yeah. He just thought that that could have been us, you know. And it, but, and actually, that stadium was used regularly for semi finals. Yeah, so, well, yeah. You know, uh, question a little bit more flippant. Uh, if this is from Fridges on Fire on Reddit, he says, offer of two hundred million pound comes in for Kane. Do you take it? Me, I don't, I don't get any of it, mate. Contrary <laughs> <laughs> to what they say about the trust, you know, we um, don't get any money. You know Do you think what? we could use £200 million from Kane to butter up the club at the moment? I had a conversation the other day on WhatsApp, and a couple of the people said, um, if Levy sells Kane, I would burn the stadium down. <laughs> I'm not going to name names in case they try to find them at Bannum, but they've said if Levy sells Kane, I don't know how it comes back from that. Mm. And... Um, I'm not as extreme as burning the stadium down, but I think such a talisman as Kane getting sold would just be the white flag because you would sell him for that much money with the intention of reinvesting it. Liverpool did of Coutinho. They sold it for 142 million. They reinvented the Van Dijk yeah. and Alisson and improved their team. But if we sell Kane for 200 million, we're not going to reinvest that. We might do what I uh, did Bell and buy, buy rubbish. Well, we won't be able to reinvest in a way that covers his loss. Yeah. Uh, even if they do spend well, the it. the balancing shows that, that you know, just spending the money isn't, isn't good enough. But I mean, I, I, you know, that, it'll be t- if, if Kane goes, there'll be six months of stories that Kane wants to go and then we couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And that, that's how it will be dressed up and presented. And you know what? That, that also might be the case. But, it, you know, he is a talisman. He's very committed to the club, you know. And I think that part of that story that you know, we were talking about, about, you know, us building something real is, is all around Kane that would be a hard one to swallow I think if you went but in the end also I think we've arrived at a position where we are going to start spending money now I think like our, our ambition in the last transfer do it better do, yeah definitely do it better <laughs> like get it right not on broken people yeah <laughs> but definitely uh, definitely do start it's spending some money it's not just the transfers though, is it? it's the wages and I mean that's one of the stories is that the players are saying that you know sort of we're not getting paid as much as teams that are finishing sort of a long way below us and yeah. uh, I can't get. It's, it's kind of hard for us sitting here to have any sympathy. It's like what you're on sixty grand a week, you know, which is not a lot for a top footballer. But mm. it's like it's, it's poor true, you, you know. It's true, <laughs> it's, but then people aren't going to have sympathy. Are they? It's true, but they said we've all got jobs, and if someone you're better than earns more than you, mm. and you know it, and everyone who knows yeah. you knows it, then it's you're gonna. It's, it's yeah. gonna make a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but so yeah, I think but that's what we've got to look at. Yeah. Is the, it's the wage structure rather than the, the spending big on the transfer. What did I read about? between the two things. What did I hear about Undumbelli the other day? Levy did an interview with Football London. I've not read it. But something along the lines of um, Undumbelli is earning more than most of the people in the squad. Is that true? I've imagined that. Well, it's a new addition to the squad. I'm sure someone will probably tweet us. A new addition to the squad, uh, I can, uh, my, uh, my estimation would be on between 100 and 150, which would put him above Alderweireld, Derrickson. I think, I think things have been changing a bit because yeah, that's, maybe. that's the way it is. But he's new, he's new to him. Like, he's not, if they're renewing the squad, if Derrickson signs a new contract, he's going to be on board. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. For the record, the answer to that question is a no from me. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want more money. Mm. I want to see Harry Kane play forever at Tottenham. Like, I want him like 37 and insisting that he still plays and like literally having to come, come on. Yeah, we, we got I think a lot of our fans to kind of forget in a way we got so used to him. You know, but you look yeah. at the performance that he put in for England. You know, mm, like, he's he not just a goal scorer. You know, this no, guy can else. drop back, it's a build up play, it's the influence on the team. You know, the guy is one of the most special players we've ever had at this club. Exactly. Finally, Keith Wickle on Twitter he says, Does anyone else think we can finally snap out of this against Liverpool or is he just being delusional? course we can snap out of it. As a Spurs fan you have to believe we can win in every game. When, when the whistle blows, I was we could win even when Yeah, it was in the game. We're in it's up yeah. to you, it's, it's, up to you. it's my favourite Spurs song. Why don't we sing yeah. it? Yeah. 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 We shouldn't sing anything at all because that would really put people off. It's a mouthful. Yeah, a bit of a mouthful that song. Learn the words. You know what? Now that might be not staying power anymore. Not every word Oasis has ever written. Surely they can do a couple of verses of of uh, McNamara's band. McNamara's band. Yeah. Yeah, that's Apparently, Glenn Hoddle, um, what's the word? He bought that song in. There's a better word that. No, he, no, he no, 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 no. The version they play at half time right. is a version he commissioned. That's what commissioned. Be because it was on what, it was on a Christmas party album or something. Yeah. It? It and I can't find a Spurs version yeah. anywhere because when um, I don't know if one of the club teams kept behind to play the song and they continue playing it mm. it goes into my eyes I've seen the glory and I want that song and I can't bloody find it someone's got some of the mp3 if you send me the evergreen version I will stab you well I won't stab well, you but I'll just say don't do that because <laughs> the evergreen version is like um, there is a knife crime machine yeah, yeah, no, there is you'll be in prison for burning the stadium you'll be a better stadium but the evergreen's version is like um, almost like a cod Irish version of the classic version of the song it's an old Celtic song as well I believe they the as they used to run out, there was a button that the, the, the last player running out onto the pitch would press to start the song. So it was just perfectly timed. Yes, sure. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. We found that out when uh, doing the memory lane. So that they would run out and there'd be a button that would start or, or be yeah. a signal to start playing the tape. And that would be it. I didn't ever forget to press the button. Yeah, probably. Imagine <laughs> that. I feel, I feel like I've made it up now. If you don't know that, then maybe I'm not sure. It's like when. Um, Dave McCarthy to twat the ball up into the sky and just catch it on his toe to, to intimidate the other team. <laughs> is that's that true? Yeah, because yeah. 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 that's what they you know, up the Spurs logo above the tunnel and they'd run out. That's beautiful, that's what we need, more of that. More of yeah. that. All right then, boys, that's it. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan, for speaking so candidly about the book and stuff and, uh, you know, just write it out. Moaning, really, I think, as people will say, no. your social media feed is going to be terrible after this comes out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read it. Always nice to be on. Did not read. <laughs> Cheers, pal. Everybody wanna come and run it, find it funny like a dummy in the bar.
on flat base of brick. We can get a stick in the mini sucking willy. When you're getting grilly, yeah, you're gonna bang the milli. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long-lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In in fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona, swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the Podcast is sponsored by Cox. Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.